You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. Amen. Praise God. When I come to this church, I have a lot of memories. When I look to Helen there, oh, some of the old members of this church, you know. Bill, young man, I think so, he'll be 80 very soon. <clears throat> young man, and then see Paul there from Brooklyn, Salem Tabernacle, uh, to see, uh, I can go on. I know a lot of people by name. There is Steve in the back, Stu there, I can, and Moses is not here. I mean, Michael is not here. Uh, oh, and to see Dan here after a long time, you know, uh, after one year, Dan, I didn't recognize him. There's a lot of transformation, uh, each way, both ways. <laughs> good to see Dan, and good to see. Pastor Mark, I'm talking. When I got the email from Pastor Bill that Pastor Mark will be here, I said, we are going to have powerful worship. He has anointing not just to preach. I'm talking, I asked him to come back. Great teacher, great preacher. But he knows how to take people together with him before the throne of his grace. I thank God for young life. When I came to this church, he was just coming out of the college. And we had some quality time. Church, thank you for praying for us. And I have my son-in-law, Dr. Bijoy, with me. He worked till 1 o'clock yesterday. Uh, then he brought me here. So I appreciate, I think this is his seventh trip to this church with me. Every time I come here, I like to visit Allentown, where he's practicing, and then go back. June 11th, I'll be back in India. 1.3 billion people, a lot of changes in the last four days. Christians are in trouble. A lot of persecution. May 29, one of my pastors was beaten really badly. They tied him on a tree. And for more than 15 minutes, people were beating him with a stick. I'm telling I had a picture came, video came. I don't want to show even. So a lot of things are happening, but we are going. We are going with a greater anointing. <laughs> Nothing. Pastor Bill, I was a little surprised or shocked or had little doubt why Pastor Bill is sending all the email to me. What happened to Jacqueline? <laughs> I thought maybe something's happening in our family, a new edition or something, you know. Uh, but I found out I cleared my doubt today. Uh, because uh, I know we want to expand our church. Yes. We want to see more new people. Yes. But not like through this edition, you know, right away. Uh, so, thank you, thank you. 
Please take your seats. I'm standing here with a letter in my pocket from Salem, signed by Pastor Bill. I'm 71, and when I come to a church, I have learned a secret is to submit to the local pastor. They may be 50 years, 40 years, 30 years younger than you. He wrote a lot of things, which I'm very happy, excited to read all that. But he wrote towards the end, do not worry about time. So I'm going to take my watch and put it in my pocket. So if I stay long, don't blame me. I'm following your pastor's letter. First, I put back in my suitcase, in my briefcase. Then I thought, no, it's not good. I should carry that one. If someone will ask me why you went over time, I'm just following your pastor. God has been so good to us. Amen? Amen. We are breathing. We are living. We are walking. We are talking just because of his grace. And I want you to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I have not come here just to have one more meeting. I teach Monday through Friday, four to five hours a day in our seminary. We have service Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. I preach most of the services. So I have not come here just to have one more service. I'm here this morning to have fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. I may walk in the aisles today not to get some brownie points or just to say, oh, he carries a heavy anointing. I'm not. I know my identity. I know my calling. I'm just here for what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Some of you may not like it, but that's okay. That's fine. When Jesus came in a house, some of the people were very upset in Mark chapter 2. They got very upset why he's doing all those things. But toward the end it says, when they saw what happened, they all glorified God. That's all I want to do that thing. I just want to have one scripture and then whatever Holy Spirit tells me before I bring the word which God has given to me. In book of Job 42. Book of Job Chapter 42. Pastor Bill, thank you. The one who sent all the goodies in my room. Oh, I said just say goodies. 42 verse 2 says, now this for everyone this morning. Everyone. 
I know that you can do anything. And no one can stop you. One person got it. I will keep reading. I have my notebook here, which is a brand new, just I started writing for Salem. So I have to fill a lot of pages. Some of you are down, discouraged, family is shattered. Doctor gave you a report. So let me read till you all get it. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. One translation says, no one can change the plan of God for your life. You're not here by accident. I'm telling you, you are not in this church by accident. You are here by God's divine appointment. And I want to let you know, my sister, God has seen your tears. God wants to do something special in your life. God wants to do something special here this morning. I prayed to God this morning. And when I saw the letter yesterday, I said, Lord, this is only you. Yes, you have a lot of challenges in your life. But God is a good God. I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about you. But God is a good God. And He can do anything. He can turn your crisis into jubilation. My God is a good God. I said, my God is a good God. You cannot play a game in the church. You cannot have your own ideas in the church. God has his own idea because this is his church. I said, this is his church. He has his own ideas. He has his own plan and purposes. And no one can change it. I said, no one can change it. My God is a good God. I said, my God is a good God. Young man, my God is a good God. He wants you to make you strong. We need a lot of strong men in the church. I said, God wants strong men in this church. And he wants you to make you strong. Amen. A lot of prayers have been offered for you. By your family members. God has honored those prayers today. Amen. God is a good God. I say God is a good God. Nothing impossible with God. I said nothing impossible with God. When God told me, when doctor told me 2012, I should not travel, I should not preach, I have to extend. I'm traveling more, preaching more. Who did it? My God and your God. My Savior and your Savior. 
my king and your king. And that king is here. I said that king is here. I said the Lord is here. We need more men in the church who will become a strong father in the church. When we took a survey, Pastor Mark, in 72 countries, we sent people to 72 countries just to see. I'm involved, much involved in ORU and in Power 21 World Conference. This is my ninth year, the General Secretary for the whole world. And we took all the survey. Three things stood up. Now, this from 72 different countries. Number one, this generation means people who are born after 1995. This generation is crying out for spiritual dad and mom in the church. They're not crying out to have some powerful teacher and preacher. They're crying out that God will give us strong father and mother who will lead us. Who will say, Dr. Thomas, I want to become that one spiritual father. I want to be number two. I want to, be, I want to see men stand up right now, wherever you are, if you want to become strong father. Just come to the altar right now. Come on, come on. Come on, we have plenty of room at the altar. Plenty of room at the altar. Plenty of room at the altar. Yes, when I was talking to one of the leaders of this church this morning, he said, 67 person in my church, or Salem, is woman. 65 to 67 person. Listen to me, men. We can make the difference. That's right. That's right. I believe if men are strong, family will be strong. If men are strong, your marriage will be strong. We need... Salem, we need men. I said, we need men. We need spiritual father and mother. I'm Christian for 64 years now. I have seen people go up and next week they go down. You know why? Because young people does not have a spiritual father and mother. They have no example. Salem, God has brought you up to this level to bring you to the altar that you will make a covenant, not a commitment. I don't need people to make a commitment emotionally because worship was strong, the Holy Spirit is here. Yes, I want to be a spiritual father. No, let's make a covenant before God. For the sake of your children and for the sake of your family. Let's make a covenant that you will become spiritual leader, spiritual father for this church. Now I want to talk to the ladies for 30 seconds 
who will say, yes, I want to be a spiritual mom for my home and for my church. You can also stand if you want to be. It's not for everyone. God is watching you. God is watching you. In some of my meeting, people try to play game and they were paralyzed. They were paralyzed. It happens in my meetings. And that's why I'm very happy. Pastor Bill gave me a note. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells me, he says, Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you, do it. We are open. Ladies, you have an assignment. I said, You have an assignment. For the future, we say about future, no. For the present and the future of Salem Tabernacle. You have the responsibility. You have the responsibility. It's good to come to church and have a strong worship. It's good to come to church and come to the altar and put our tithe excellent. But more than that, it is your obligation to become a spiritual mom, spiritual older sister for the young generation of this church. Because I see we have compromised all over America. I said we have compromised in many things all over America. You know why? Because we have deviated from the word of God. I know leaders, pastors of 50 church, pastors of more than one million members in Africa. They are in our board. So we know people from small church to big church. And I have come to this conclusion. Watching all the leaders all over the world. World is crying out for spiritual dad and mom. The second thing stood up in our survey. Which is very good here. Generation is crying out for contemporary worship. Thank God you have a strong worship. And the third thing which I heard, I had the best time. Paul, we missed you last night. And I told George, Bill, and Ron, next year when I come, even if we have to reschedule a meeting on Sunday after the service, we'll do it. I want to meet with you also. I want to see the whole board. Very good. I told this generation is crying out who will speak in their language. Not King James. <laughs> the endow. And the elders told me, not the father-in-law, but the elders. Because he was elder, not father-in-law, when I met with them last night. That Pastor Bill speaks the language of this generation. Out of three, two are already here. Third, we have seen already all these people at the altar. And ladies are standing. Let's lift up our holy hands up in the sky. Lord, we honor you. I pray 
that this will become a covenant for each one of these believers, oh God. A resolution that they will become example, a model for this generation and generation to come. Christian, listen to my heartbeat. There are certain essentials you have to have. Like water, food, clothing, shelter. These are essential. Same way Christian life has essential. And if you learn what are the essential, you will become a strong Christian. I said strong Christian. Strong believer. Most of the time, we believers, we are not aware of value of Christianity. Christianity is not just coming and dancing at the altar. Nothing wrong. It's good to dance. But that dancing should stay with you seven days. It's good to shout hallelujah and praise the Lord. It's good. But that hallelujah praise the Lord should stay with you throughout the week. Why we give up? Why we get frustrated? Because we don't know the essence, the value of Christian life. Turn with me to the book of Philippians and I will be very brief. I said brief like Paul. When Paul was giving a greeting, it took the almost 14 verses of the Bible in chapter 1 of Ephesians. I'll be very brief. I have to because my son-in-law has to have a lot of work done. Tomorrow he has surgery and all. In another city. So I will be very gracious to him also. Book of Philippians chapter 3. This tells me. Essence of Christian life. This is the real essence of Christian life. 8 to 10. Yes everything else is worthless. When compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Amen. For this sake, I have discarded everything else. Counted it all as garbage. I know, Bible is saying that. So that I could gain Christ. And become one with him. Look the essence of Christian life right there. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in 
Christ. Theology. For God's way of making us right with himself. Definition of righteousness right there. Making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power, essence of Christian life that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Let me give five essential very fast. I think they, they are going to have that thing, the PowerPoint. Number one, knowledge of Christ. Not knowledge about Christ, but knowledge of Christ. Number two, position in Christ. Number three, fellowship with Christ. Number four, suffering. Forget suffering. I will take suffering out. Number four, righteousness by God. And number five, glory like Christ. Simple. These are the five most essential of Christian life. Do you know Christ? Do you know that should be your ultimate goal? Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, followed Jesus Christ for 30 years. Not 30 months. 30 years. Long years. 360 months. He says, towards his end of life, I want to know him. I want to know him. Do you know him? Listen to me. Knowing God is more than motions, emotions, feelings, awareness. I told you I travel a lot. I see people all the time. I counsel mainly pastors. They have written books after books. Pastor Mark knows about this guy. 27 book on leadership and all. But they are not true Christians. They don't know Christ. You can sing about Christ. You can write about Christ. You can read about Christ. But that is not knowing Christ. Then what do you mean knowing Christ? When his character influences your character. When his life influences your life. When his talk influences your talk. When his walk influences your walk. When his giving becomes your giving. That is knowing Christ. Do you know him? I said, do you know him? Whatever you do will tell me whether you are influenced 
by knowing Christ or knowing about Christ. I want to know him. Listen to me. Anyone can describe him. You can have a doctrinal knowledge. I had a guy came from Chicago in our Bible college with a PhD teaching the doctrine of the Bible. But today, he is promoting New Age movement in Chicago. Doctrinal knowledge is not enough. Good moral performance is not enough. We have a lot of good moral people in India. They are better than Christians in moral life. Christian service and ministry. That's why I asked Pastor Bill, took his permission, can I pray for greeters and ushers? Sometimes we think you know, we are involved in the ministry and service. We know Christ. You can be involved in the ministry and service and still you don't know Christ. Philosophy cannot give you knowledge of Christ. Ideas, speculation, imagination, feelings, information, concept, religious experiences cannot give you knowledge of Christ. Then question comes, how I can know him? When a great philosopher said, if there is a God, you can never know him. Philosopher said, but my, my Bible says, he will give you a heart in the book of Jeremiah. He will give you a heart to know him. In other words, your God is knowable God. You can know him. You can know him through creation. Psalm 19, book of Romans. You can know him through the written word. And you can know him through the living word. We can know Christ. As if we can know Christ. When you know, believers, when you know the designer and the architect of your life, you will be able to handle all the challenges of life. Problem is, we think God needs your help. God is the architect. He, needs, doesn't, he doesn't need your help. You may be in the high-tech society and you think you know everything. Listen to me. I want you to have the real knowledge of God because this will set the priorities of life. A lot of Christians, they don't know how to set the priorities of life because they don't have the knowledge of Christ. Let's have the knowledge of Christ. Knowing God is to know His attributes. Knowing God is to know His character. Knowing God is to know His will, His ways, His words, His wisdom. <laughs> knowing God. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Listen to me. I know Him. But question comes, why should I know Him? 
Everything is doing good in my house. My finances are good. All the children are healthy. We have a good job. All the bills are paid. Why should I know him? Question is very clear. I want to know him because he loved me. I'm going to tell you nothing else. Not because I have all the blessing I want to know him. I just want to know him because when I was in deep muddy clay, he loved me. When I was an enemy, unjust, he loved me. I want to know him. I want to know him because he raised me up and I'm sitting together with him. I want to know him. He has chosen me, made us kings and priests. I said, we are kings and priests. I want to know him. You know, when I go to heaven, I have a lot of questions, no doubt. Like uh, George said yesterday, George, I will never forget the question, and I will never forget the question of Ron. Dr. Thomas, I have an unrealistic question. And I told him, I will give you a realistic answer. I will have a lot of unrealistic questions when I go to heaven, for sure. But I will ask one real question. What was that attracted you to love me? I want to know that thing. Listen to me. Before the foundation of the world, he has chosen me. I want to know him. Listen to me. Do you know him? I said, do you know him? Now, in that text, you know, four things stands out. You can never know God unless you know the person of Christ. You can never know God unless you know the power of Christ. You can never know God unless you know the persecution of Christ. And you can never know God unless you know Think what can be there. I gave you persecution, the passion of Christ. Listen to me. You can never, listen to me, this all theological statement I'm doing, because I know Pastor Mark will be here. The, you can never separate person of Christ from the power of Christ. You can never separate power of Christ from the persecution of Christ. You can never separate persecution of Christ from the passion of Christ. And you can never separate passion of Christ from the person of Christ. Altogether. I want to know him. I said, I want to know him. I just want to know him. I want to know and I want to let you know I know my Savior is a resurrected Savior. I'm not following Christ because of historical faith. A lot of people, they have historic. Oh, I know Easter Sunday was there. No, he's risen. Yes, he's risen. But I know he lives in me. He lives in you. I think he lives in you. I know I have a 
saving knowledge of Christ. I love to study about animals because I did my masters. There's an animal known as opossum. Opossum will not go to a den or a hole if he sees only the footprint going inside the den. Very smart. He will only go in the den or hole if you see the footprint going out of the den. I want to let you know. No doubt, your Savior, my Christ, went into the grave. When he came out of the grave, I have the footprints. Someone coming out of the grave. I know Christ, the resurrected Christ. As I know Christ, he is resurrected. Do you know him? Question comes to you and I. How I know you know God? Can I test you? Can I make a test in the church whether you know him or not? Very simple. I don't have anything here, but everything is in the word of God. First John chapter 2, and I'm going to see if I can close now. I said, see if, if I can close, I said. Because we want to have little fellowship with uh, Daniel and Pastor Mark. 2,000 calories. And we can be sure, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. This is the word of God. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. How I know you know? If you're a tither. If you... Follow his commandment. How many commandments? Oh, ten. No. There are more than 53 commandments in the New Testament. If we obey his commandments, if someone claims, I know God, but does not obey God's commandments, now that's not Matthew Thomas says, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But, those who obey God's word truly show completely they love him. That is how we know we are loving, we are living in him. Do you know him? Can you pass that test this morning? It doesn't say if you serve, if you give tithe, if you are joining the worship team. No, it doesn't say anything. Obey his commandments. Do you know him? I want to let you know. I know him. There are 16 benefits of knowing God. But I'm closing everything right now here. <laughs> you must know you have a position in Christ. We Bible says in that scripture we shall be one. I have position in Christ. I'm somebody in Christ. You are somebody in Christ. We are adopted into the family of God. We are co-heirs with Jesus. We have the privilege angels does not have. I was speaking in Colorado Spring and they said, Dr. Thomas, last night we saw an angel. I said, I will give the answer when I come to the platform. I come to the platform. 
And I read that scripture, but the Bible says, angels are my ministering spirits. In modern language, they are my servants. You are excited to see the servants? Or you are excited to see the Lord? I have a position which angel does not have. My position has a privilege. I can call him daddy anytime. Abba, my father. My God is a good God. I, I can have... I can have fellowship with Christ. I told the elders yesterday, the greatest joy I have, I'm coming here since 1994, the greatest joy I have when I spend time with the elders and leaders. Three hours went so fast, Ron forgot to order his mud cake, I don't know what was that, something like that. Oh no, George forgot. I mean, we enjoy if we enjoy the fellowship here on this earth, what about you and I when we spend time with God? An intimate, personal relationship with Him we can have. Do you have that? Do you have? Pastor Bill, we just made a little change. You'll be ready for that. Instead of 5 o'clock in the morning, our prayer in my house is 4 o'clock in the morning. We start at 4 o'clock. That is the backbone of Christianity. Which gives you fellowship with Christ. I think we have lost the meaning of fellowship. We think eating together is a fellowship. No, no, no. That's not fellowship. When we spend time on our knees and pray to God. Open His word so we can have fellowship with Him. I am right with God. Because of love and faith I have, you all can become righteous. Go and read book of Proverbs chapter 21, 21. I'm talking, these things will bring life and honor in our life. When you are right with God. You may be right with people. Because we want to impress. I do not want to impress anyone. Even last Sunday I told the church, you call me back, doesn't matter. I have a ministry. So I'm not here to impress anyone, but I want to become an expression of his love. An exhibition of his power. An extension of his life. Point number five, glory like Christ. Bible says in Corinthians, we are changing from glory to glory. And one day, we shall be like Him. And we shall be like Him. That is the essence. That is the essence of Christian life. That we will have a glorified body. We shall be like him, but those who have this hope shall purify themselves as he is pure. Very hard to speak in America about that last sentence. Because they don't want to live a holy life. They have everything. Don't touch this thing. I'm going to touch. 
Because I'm leaving now. Without holiness, no one can see God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.